Welcome to the Volusi Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. While I was watching a military film, I realized that one of the easiest jobs in the world would be to be the costume designer for a modern military movie. Because basically, the design is already done for you. You don't actually have to design anything if it's supposed to be modern, relatively realistic military movie. Because then you just have to go to the military and look at what they're wearing, and it's 100% appropriate. So basically, that job is done for you. So I would like to put it out there that I am one of the greatest costume designers for modern military movies, should anyone want to hire my services. Cora question, is Mystique naked in her blue form? Mystique is the blue character from the X-Men. Now, I'm not a big fan of the X-Men franchise, so I don't know so much about them. But I know Mystique is one of the main characters because she seems to be almost naked all the time. I think she is actually technically naked all the time because she is a shapeshifter. She can look like other people. She can change her body so it looks like she has different clothes on. And she can change from one form with clothes on to a different form with clothes on through her physical powers. The only way that works is if she's naked. If she was wearing material on top of her clothes, she would change form within the clothes and the clothes would not change with her. She essentially has to be naked all the time as an explanation. I think the problem here is that the question asker is really asking, should I be jacking it now or should I wait? And the answer, my friend, is we're probably way too late to answer that question. Core question, if you pray to God, for one specific girl, will he make it happen? This is a very interesting question because there are a lot of underlying implications here. The use of make it happen brings into this whole concept the question of what does the question asker actually think a woman is? Because make it happen, I assume he actually means like start dating or a couple or perhaps just sexual intercourse. I don't know, because again, the specifics are pretty thin. But it sounds like he wants, if he prays enough that the girl will actually come to him, despite the fact he's put no effort into this at all. And that has been my go-to point, all similar topics. So we had talked about incels in the past, talked about dating in the past, and a go-to phrase, this is maybe one of the only original things I've said, is that to be attractive means they will come to you. But the work you have to put in is to make yourself attractive. So if he wants this girl, he shouldn't be praying to God. He should actually be trying to find out what she finds attractive and become that thing. Now, it might not work out, but if he's more attractive than he was before, he will have a chance with someone at some point. It's kind of the, the better outcome is at least there's something positive could happen. 
So this is one step away from voodoo or a love potion. He wants to pray to a god and have that god intercede magically and make this girl suddenly see him as an attractive prospect. Now this brings into a secondary question, which is also very interesting. How does prayer work? Because if he's asking this question, he doesn't actually believe in prayer. If you ask this question, have you not prayed already? Because my actual assumption is if you're the kind of person who thinks like, I'm praying to God and I'm not getting what I want, what's going wrong, I'll go onto the internet and ask people, if I pray to God, will I get what I want? There is an underlying thing there that he's certainly a Christian, believes in a Christian God, believes in prayer as a, as a form of action, and has not seen the results that he desires. So the question here is, really, have you prayed to God to get something and that something has come to you? There is a sort of tertiary idea that this woman is just a piece of property that will be transferred to him through the power of prayer. He's asking, does prayer work? And I bet it's because he's prayed and it hasn't worked out yet. He's asking, has it worked for anyone else? And the answer is actually no, because that's not how it works. There is always a question to my mind. And it's people who pray for things specifically and don't get them. How do they reconcile that? Because there's the God moves in mysterious ways. God gives you what you need or what you want, or God never gives you more than you can handle. Despite the fact we see examples of the opposite every single day. You see people get sick. You see people get into accidents. You see people lose their jobs and their livelihood through no fault of their own. You see corporations exploit people and God does not intervene. So the question here really is, is there a God? And ironically, the only way to prove that God exists would be for this woman that he desires to find him attractive, which I can absolutely guarantee isn't going to happen. Therefore, if this guy does not get laid, there is no God. So it was last week or the week before I recounted a story of uh, me getting dumped. and. As per the internet's proclivities, uh, people quite enjoyed hearing about my travesty, the the pain I felt, uh, the awfulness of having actually loved another human being. That's why I don't do it anymore. A couple of emails I got asked me for more details, more information about me getting dumped, which is funny because I've talked about some other far grander concepts and received no feedback at all. Whereas here I am talking about the time I got dumped and everyone's like, ooh, I want to hear about you being miserable. So I figured, well, why not? If you get off on it, you know, it's still an interesting story. Maybe we can pull some ideas out of it together uh, and improve people's lives. It was a really gross breakup. So in that conversation that I was recounting, so I was recounting how she sat down and talked to me and then she broke up with me and I was I was devastated. But the the actual point I was making was I didn't give her any sort of big reaction. And that, that was sort of a, a, a small revenge for being dumped in the moment. Now, it didn't, of course, make it hurt any less. But, you know, there's some satisfaction there that she didn't get what she wanted, which was like me going, oh, no, I love you more than anything else. That, that probably came later, if I'm being honest. One of the things I remember really distinctly is her when she was saying what she wanted was a real man. 
So this was during the, the initial breakup conversation. She was, she started talking about what she wanted. She wanted a real man. And the thing that bothered me the most is she went, you know, I want a real man, you know, like I was supposed to agree with her that I was not man enough. There were some issues. And one was she had finished university. Now I hadn't, I'd actually messed up a bunch of stuff. I had to do another year of a couple of courses. Um, and it put me on a track behind her as far as developing developing in the world. She had a job, so she started having money and she wanted to go places and do things. And I was still a student. I had no money. I couldn't do those things. So that was, to me, probably one of the core issues. She wanted to do stuff and I was holding her back because I couldn't do stuff because I couldn't afford to do the stuff. And again, this is sort of me at my peak judo time in my life. So my self-definition was based almost exclusively on the fact that I was a manly man doing a manly thing. And this was one of the things she said to try to hurt my feelings, to really take me down after I think she didn't get the reaction she wanted. She wanted to keep talking and then actually hurt my feelings. It was so, so it, she, she didn't get really any satisfaction with that. I didn't agree with her. Uh, I didn't actually pursue that line of conversation because that is the thing, that is another mistake that people make when they're getting dumped is they actually try to argue or reason with the other person. You just let it go. I mean, that is the end of the day, the only thing you can do because they will turn everything against you and actually try to hurt your self-image, your, your confidence, things like that. So whatever they say, they're tr- you just have to realize she's trying to hurt my feelings because she's upset. That's fine. I, I, it will hurt my feelings. I'm just not going to make it a big deal. And we'll move on and get our lives together. The thing is, we were still living together in the same apartment, which meant we had to keep living to, together until I found a new place to live. I had to decide what I was going to do next. That month, I had a judo competition. And she came to the judo competition, and it really threw, off, threw, threw, threw my game off. I was not going to perform as well as I normally could have. And it really bothered me that she came because she said she came there to support me. So in the endless romantic way you have deep down inside, maybe if she's there to support you, it's because she actually likes you and we might get back together. And now I'm having a whirlwind of emotions that I do not need if I'm about to fight other human beings. She met one of my competitors and started talking to him. And then she made it very clear to him that she and I were not together anymore. And they started dating almost immediately. So she started dating one of my judo competitors while we were still living in the same house. This was maybe a week after we had broken up. She claims this was all coincidental and not something she did purposely, which is probably half true. This, I wouldn't say it was conscious effort, but I think it was subconscious. She had been to judo competitions. She'd seen guys. She probably had seen guys she found attractive. And she went there and she did not hesitate to make it very clear to the guys that she was available. And one of those guys, of course, went for it. Now, if you take it back to the earlier part of my story, what she's looking for is a real man, a manly man. And the judo place is where you're going to find one. But weirdly, what she ended up choosing was a really rich fuckboy who was incredibly immature. Like, if you were going to define a man, this was not a bad person. I don't want to really shit on the guy. Uh, He took advantage of a situation that was offered to him, and there's actually nothing you can say negative about that. But If I was going to say a manly man, a guy who's just given all his money by his parents, who has no real sort of sense of responsibility in the world, who is out to just have a good time, is not the kind of definition I would make for a real man. So that sort of solidified my opinion from earlier. that She wasn't looking for a real man. She was looking for someone with money that she'd go out and have a good time with, because that is exactly what this guy was. Now she's getting what she wants, but... 
now we're living in the same apartment. She's dating a new guy. She's not rubbing it in my face, but she is absolutely not trying to make it a subtle experience or a more comfortable transition. So I decided to move back with my parents, get my life together, and then move on to the next phase of my life. And the weird thing is when I told her I would be moving away from Vancouver, she seemed to think like that was a weird idea, like like she was surprised by that. But the only reason I was still in Vancouver is because I was with her. I could have lived with my parents. It would have been cheaper. Uh, I could have saved some money. I could have probably completed my education faster, but I didn't do it because I wanted to stay in the city with her. So by the end of the month, I'd actually packed up everything and left. But I remember the conversation because I didn't think you would leave. But when you break up with someone, why do you think they would stay and just so you can keep throwing your new boyfriend in their face? So all of that stuff... Again, I don't want to say it was malicious, but it did feel that way at the time. Like this was like purposely turning the knife. Uh, Unnecessarily, I might add. Years later, we chatted on the internet. And that was an interesting thing because she decided to be sort of romantic and reminisce about the good old days when we were together because we were so good together. And then she gave the fateful line, what happened to us? And my response was, you dumped me. And that, of course, in that moment, isn't what the girl wants to hear. She wants to hear that, you know, you long for her the way she longs for you in those those romanticized, positive days, the ones you remember. The problem is, as the dump E, I have every positive memory tainted by the moment I got dumped. So from my point of view, you don't get to reminisce. And that put a bit of a damper on our conversation because reality just came flooding in. I did not bring up the fact that she came to a judo competition, that she started dating one of my competitors, and she did not make, and she made her last couple days together really uncomfortable. I just said, what happened to us is very factual and simple. You decided to end our relationship. From that, there are no details. I harbor no negative feelings now. I do tell the story with a little bit of of vinegar, but that's because it is the kind of story that sits in the back of your mind and it actually colors the way you view relationships going forward for the rest of your life. You will never get away from the fact that you were dumped in a fairly harsh way. But I don't think it's negatively impacted my relationships because now I think I actually go into relationships a lot more honestly. And that is actually one of the benefits of getting dumped is you see things for what they are after sort of the cloud clears, uh, the cloud of misery and pain and emotions and stuff that clouds your vision, once that goes away, you can start to see, yeah, it's actually really good. We weren't good for each other. I can now look for someone who is sort of better matched to me. Those are all the details from that time I got dumped. I didn't get dumped a whole bunch of times, but you know, if you are interested in hearing others, I'd have to like dredge them up. Uh, like how many times I have been dumped or or how many times I have dumped someone else and how I handled it because some were handled well, some were not. But I think that's the normal path of navigating emotions and romantic relationships. But if you would like advice or like to hear more horrible stories of grumpy Uncle Peter getting dumped and maybe some of the reasons why he's actually so grumpy all the time, Feel free to email at velocipodcast at gmail.com or you can send a tweet to Velocipeter. So I've come to a conclusion about anti-vaxxing. I, I'm sure you might think, wow, that's pretty late to this train. But what I was actually thinking about wasn't act, the, the actual idea of anti-vaccination people 
or or their position, I realized that anti-vaxxing is the laziest form of rebellion that you can have. Because basically you get the feeling of rebelling against society, of pushing back against the larger machine of the world, but you actually get it by doing less than everyone else. You don't have to take your kids to the doctor. You don't have to sit there while they cry and uh, get their needles. And you don't have to wait the day or two while they're all messed up on a ton of different chemicals in their body uh, as they try to get everything right again. This is essentially rebellion for housewives. People who want to feel like they've taken something on, like they've done something in the world, like they've made a difference without actually doing anything and quite factually in real life, doing less than everyone else. Because if you protest something, you actually have to leave your house. You have to go to the protest and protest it. And I bet a lot of the anti-vaxxers did not go to Washington and put on those pink hats and do the protest for women. So that might be one of the more interesting arguments to bring up. Should you ever have to argue with an anti-vaxxer? I haven't had that problem in Japan. I don't know if it's mandatory, but I'm pretty sure it is. Like everyone just gets vaccinated. There's not really any discussion about it. And uh, yes, they have gotten rid of uh, all the diseases that have come back in America. Uh, they have their own issues because I'm pretty sure leprosy is still a bit of a thing here. And tuberculosis, I think that actually might still be a thing every now and then in Japan. That's actually something maybe I should look into so I could actually back up what I'm saying. But anti-vaxxers essentially can continue to rot and do nothing and yet feel like they're being active. And I think that might be, more than anything else, what they're getting out of it, is that feeling of doing something without the actual effort of doing something. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast.